Do you think you may have a problem with your alcohol consumption or drug use? Are you thinking about quitting and want to know what all the sober hype is about? Whatever the reason, I'm so grateful you're here with me today. My name is Sarah, and I am the creator and host of Sober Gratitudes. I once was an active alcoholic, and after decades of failed attempts to control my drinking, I finally reached out for help. Letting others help me is why I'm here today, living a life I never thought possible. The suffering of my past was the catalyst I needed to find recovery and be receptive to healing. I created this podcast out of the desire to recover out loud and, with the help of my guests, show you how a better life is possible after addiction. Whether you have been here before or you are a first-time listener, I would be so grateful if you would take a moment to write a review on Apple Podcasts so that it can reach more people who may be struggling. Together, we can help those in need. You can also reach me at sobergratitudes at gmail.com with any questions or comments. Thank you again for dropping in today, and welcome to Sober Gratitudes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sober Gratitudes. So grateful you're here with us today for what is going to be an awesome episode with a new friend of mine. Um, I met Hillary on Instagram. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Seems like we all meet people on Instagram these days as we're trapped inside from the coronavirus. Um, and we met because, well, Hillary, I'm going to ask you what. Remind me, how how did we connect exactly on Instagram? What I, was it that I put us together? I think I commented on one of your posts. I think you asked, I don't know if you asked about people's sobriety dates or something. Okay. And I made reference that I had 28 years or something. And I think, and then you messaged me and yes. was like, wow, can, you, can yeah. we connect? <laughs> yes. And ex okay, thank you. That's, that's exactly it. Because... Not often do we come across people on Instagram, well, at least in my experience. I have not come across a lot of people who have 28 years and they're on Instagram and they're and they're out. Um, and I just connected with Hillary right away in our correspondence. We were both really excited to do this podcast because I think that there's a lot of great things that we can talk about in recovery, um, in long-term recovery. Um, in particular, and I think Hillary will offer a great perspective on um, life um, without drinking alcohol for such a long time. And Hillary, you, well, first of all, welcome. Welcome okay. to Sober Gratitude. Thank you. <laughs> and you stopped, you stopped drinking at a very young age, but you started drinking at a very young age too, correct? Yes. My story was very quick you know i started drinking at about age 14 it was probably around that time i was also pretty hooked on prescription drugs because i had migraines and they used to treat me with narcotics so it was sort of i was already sort of hooked on those so my drinking though was really from only age 14 and i stopped at 20. wow so it was a very short period of time but I'm grateful it was so short because it was, and I know I've talked about this before, but it was 
a lot of people, when they get into recovery, they talk about how their lives were, it was like a roller coaster, you know, and they kind of had ups and downs or they had sort of a steady time where their drinking was sort of under control, but then they tried to stop or it got really bad. And mine was really like one big hill and it just was like to the top and then I came crashing down. There was not any plateaus. It was just bad. It, 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 I got drunk from the beginning and the goal from the beginning was to get drunk every time. There wasn't ever any real social drinking involved. I never, that was never the intent. I never had any interest in it. I just wanted the effect. So that's what, that's sort of what happened. It was just like a rapid, rapid descent. And did you think at, at any of that point, wait, okay, this is not normal? Or were you just yeah, kind of well, so- Well, and that was, that was the hard part is that I, I did start to think maybe um, you know, when you're young and you're in college, no, you don't really think you have a problem because everyone's partying. But I will say, I think it was something you wrote in one of your last posts about how you noticed the girls who didn't do what you did. And I remember that feeling. I could so relate to what you wrote because I remember noticing the girls who kind of had it all together and they they didn't wake up in places where they didn't know how they got there you know they didn't <laughs> they weren't doing what i was doing and i was like how do you do that i remember i know i didn't ask them of course but i was right. thinking it and so i did notice maybe i'm a little different i do remember because i've been asked this before when did you realize you might have a problem and I do remember I went to Santa Fe, New Mexico for college because I grew up in Washington, DC and I just kind of wanted to get as far away as possible and maybe something would be different there in college. Maybe I would be different there, but that's where everything got really bad. And I just, that's where the drugs really came in too. And I remember one time my mom came to visit and I, we, all we were doing was going out to dinner uh, and I was complete, I got completely drunk before we went and I had cocaine in my back jeans pocket. And I remember thinking to myself, I went to the bathroom to use it during dinner. I remember thinking this, there's, this isn't normal. This just isn't normal. And it was like my first flash of like, this is not a manageable life that I'm leaving right now, you know, and, and normal people don't do this. Um, so that was sort of where I started to think I had a problem. Um, but what happened was um, I ended up in Santa Fe, you know, everything was getting very, every day was off. I mean, it was one of those, I woke up, did not know what I'd done the night before. Every day was just guilt piled upon more guilt. And I did end up moving, I dropped out of school, moved in with a complete psychopath, <laughs> shocking. And um, we broke up and he was threatening to kill me and he was, but it was genuine. He wasn't like empty threat. The guy was nuts. And so I called my mom and she was like, Hillary, you need to leave New Mexico and come back to DC. Just come home. And I, you know, I was so irrational at that point, but I had like one shred of sense left in me. And I said, you know what, you're right. And I just packed a bag and I left. I didn't even tell most of my friends that I was leaving. I just left and went, flew back to, to Washington DC. And, um, but I can tell you, you know, the, I, the feeling of how I felt at that time, right before I left, 
it was a, actually a Catholic college and one of the professors was a priest. And I don't remember what the topic of the paper was, but it was, um, we had to write something along the lines of what our relationship with God was or what did we feel about God. And I wrote that it's not that I didn't believe in God, but that I did believe, but I was not deserving of God's, of God's love. I was hurt. I was so bad. I was such a bad person that I didn't deserve to it. And I, I do, I get choked up like talking about it to this day because what a sad young woman, you know? And I like today, I just want to like hug her. I just want to be like, no, you know, but that in and of itself, the shame, the guilt, and not even feeling like I deserve to live a good life, to be forgiven and loved by God, you know, it, that was my mentality at the time. That's where I was at. And so I flew home. And, um, but when I got home, um, my mom was in recovery and I was for alcoholism. And I was very surprised because I was like, I knew she drank a lot, but I was, didn't fit my image of an alcoholic. And she was going to um, recovery meetings. And so I started going with her just to see what it was about. And, you know, I don't know. I know a lot of people have done this. I did this. And, you know, when you go to recovery meetings and you're still drinking and you're an alcoholic, you it's tough because you start hearing things and, and you go drinking and you start, it's like little voices, little tidbits, you know? And, um, and so I ended up, going with her and she was about one, almost one year, our sobriety dates are ex almost exactly one year apart. Oh, wow. So that's so cool. Yeah. So I started, you know, that's kind of where I got introduced to and started thinking maybe, maybe I need to be here too. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And so <clears throat> you spoke of like the shame and the guilt and the feeling like just those, those awful icky feelings we feel when we know we're deep down that our drinking is, is really harming us and it's not doing anything mm -hmm. that's helping us. Yeah. And no matter what age we try to, st we, we, we look towards the direction of maybe stopping is a good idea. There's, it seems to be that shame and guilt always come up no matter have, what age. Yeah. I have yet to meet one person in recovery that doesn't come in with some level of shame and guilt. And, and usually it's quite a bit of it. You know, I think um, I'll speak just for myself, but I feel like I, I did a lot of harm to other people, to myself in those days. And even though it was a short amount of time, I feel like there was a lot of damage that was still done. You know, I'm just so grateful that I was able to see a different way of life as young as I was. Yeah. I, I didn't feel it at the time. You know, I was a little angry at the time, but I, you know, I ended up just, um, I, th I think when I first got sober, what happened was I was, you know, I drove drunk all the time. I never got pulled over except one time and the cop let me off. He said, I'll let a friend come pick you up. And so I had to call a friend 
and I think I told you this story before, but um, I, that back in, you know, I'm old. So back in the prehistoric dinosaur days when we had <laughs> phones, we had phones attached to walls, um, you know, you had to remember phone numbers. I'm sure anyone young, young listening to this is like, oh my gosh, you had to remember a phone number? Yes, <laughs> remember phone numbers, like in our, in our memories. And I was so wasted, I could not remember anybody's phone number except the guy I was just out drinking with. And I called him and he was so mad at me because he was like, why, Hillary, why would you call the only person drunker than you in Washington, <laughs> D.C. to come pick you up when the cops are there? And I, I was like, I just, I couldn't, I, it was all I could remember. So I was waiting for him and you would think that the cop and all that whole scene would scare me. That didn't even really phase me. But what did happen, and I share this, even though it sounds crazy, but I don't care because it, it was impactful enough to get me to go, to scare the hell out of me, is while I was waiting for my friend to get there, it was this overwhelming, like, I, I, it sound, I, it felt just like God speaking to me. It was like, I heard a, this voice and it was just like, Hillary, your time is, 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 your time is running short with this. You're, you are out of chances. Your life, if you don't change it, is gonna become very bad. And it freaked me out because I literally heard a voice, which is not something I would do drinking. And, and it just hit me to my core with this fear. So whatever it was, it was enough to get me to say, I need to stop, I need to, I need to stop this like now. And I did for about a week and then ended up in the outside of a bar. I think it was, um, in Washington DC, I think I was in Washington DC at the time, but it was in the middle of the night, I was crying on the sidewalk and drunk. And I remembered, I just prayed to God. I just said, God, please, if you can hear me, I need help. I need to change my life. And I can't, do, I can't do live this way anymore. And that was on September 26, 1992. And I have not had a sip of alcohol since. So, you know, that's where it started and then I started going to meetings and I started working on myself and mm -hmm. and that's where the recovery really really began and but it wasn't easy because I didn't really want to be there at first and I sort of had a hard time accepting I was an alcoholic at 20 years old right when did you get to a place where you you thought okay this this life I can live sober it, you know, because that is tough. Like, cause I remember when I was 20 and I, you know, I had that college drinking, you know, and the freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, 20 pounds, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> excuse me. And, and I never once even, I may have heard like the little tidbit, like, and I know I did, like, I, I like would think about like my grandmother who was deceased, who died of alcoholism. And I would think about her while I was drinking and I'm, that wasn't enough for me to stop, you know, at that point. But for you, it, it was like in there, I know other women like my sponsee, she stopped at, at 19 or 20 as well. Yeah. So her career drinking was shorter as well. And, and so you are, you know, one of the, the luckier ones who really like the, everything was situated and positioned in the, in the universe so that you could, and, and the way you were thinking and feeling, you're like, this is okay. I can hear you higher power yes. and, and I'm, and I'm going to start to live this life sober, but did it, was it 
an immediate thing? Like, did you have to get a few years under your belt or a few months until you were like, oh, I love this. I love sobriety. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was not one of those people who was super happy in sobriety at first. And I have to say, I mean, it was my fault because I wasn't doing what I should, I I wasn't fully immersing myself in it. You know, I was trying to, the first probably three or four, four months maybe I can't remember now the exact time frame it was in the first year and I remember um, the first few months I was just trying to not drink but I was trying to live my normal life so I was trying to still go hang out with all my same friends I was still trying to go to the same bars but just not drink Um, and that just sucked I mean it got to a point, you know, my biggest fear when I got, when I stopped was honestly um, that I was never going to laugh again. I'm ne- I, I mean, I literally, I was like, I'm sitting here with these old people in those meetings. And, you know, back in the day too, like there weren't nearly as many young people as there are now, which I'm just, I, I can't even tell you how happy it makes me to see so many young people making this choice today. I just, yeah. it makes me so happy. But there weren't as many, it doesn't feel like. And so I remember thinking, this is going to be boring. My life is going to suck. I'll do it but because I know I need to stop drinking. But like, I'm never going to laugh again. And I really believed that. Um, but it got to a point where I really kind of hit a bottom in sobriety again. Like, and I'm like, because I'm, I'm like, I got to either change or drink again. Like, I can't live sober and not change. Like, that does not work for me. So what ended up happening was... I met, I was introduced to this, this young woman. She was my age and she'd already, she had gotten sober at like 16 though. So she already had four years or so. But I remember I, it was very intimidating at first because she was just, the most intimidating part about her was just, she was just so comfortable and happy. And she was beautiful and happy and confident and fun and I remember thinking, I want what that girl has, you know, but I was too scared and too insecure to talk to her really. Cause I'm like, I'm just, no, I don't need the help. I don't need the help. And whatever happened around that time, I sort of hit another bottom in sobriety. I ended up reaching out to her and I just humbled myself and just said, I, will you please, please call me and meet with me. And, and I'm so grateful to this day that I did because she became a massive part of my sobriety and, and who I became today um, because I laughed with her for the first time, like genuinely laughed. And I'm once I laughed in sobriety and she sort of started introducing me to more young people and all this stuff, I was like, I can do this. If I can laugh, I can do this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> laughter has to be, it's very important to me. Laughter has to be a part of my life. So once I realized that could happen, I was like, yes, I can, I can make this, I can, I can make this work. And so from that point, I immersed myself in my program of recovery and I started really, really working hard. I started making major changes um, one day at a time, of course, and it doesn't happen overnight, but that's when I started to see things turn around for me. And when you say you started to do the work to make a change that I'm assuming you're referring to 12 steps. Yes. I started. Yes. I the 12 step program. And part of probably the biggest change 
um, was that when I used to go to meetings, I would sort of listen and only relate to what I could relate to. I've sort of always focused on, well, that didn't happen to me. That didn't happen to me. So, you know, that's what I used as my excuse as to why maybe I'm not an alcoholic because I didn't go to jail and I didn't get the DUIs and I didn't lose my whole family. And I used all those not yet as a reason to be like, maybe I don't need to be here. Maybe I'm not an alcoholic. And somebody did point out to me, you know, early on that most people who don't have a problem with alcohol don't frequent recovery meetings daily, sometimes twice a day right. and question whether they have a drinking problem, you know, and right. that really resonated with me. So I, that's a, such a powerful, I just to interject really quick. And yeah. I'm so glad you said that Hillary, because I think that's such a powerful statement because, <clears throat> excuse me, because people can spend like a lifetime just thinking their way out of the yes. fact that they have a problem because they're comparing their lives and their behaviors to other people's behaviors and lives and saying, well, if I'm not doing that, then I'm not an alcoholic. And, and I, abs I absolutely did that. Yeah. You know, I was the one watching um, the show Intervention and saying, while I was drinking and saying, yeah. oh, oh gosh, those poor people. Poor people, you know? yeah. Yeah, so like, I, thank goodness I can just have like, you know, a bottle of wine and not like 10, <laughs> like they, they do, you know? So, right. so yeah. that point, I'm really, really glad you said that, that, and let's say that again, so the listeners can really hear this, that your, your, um, like my alcoholism does not have to look like your alcoholism yeah. in order to qualify as an alcoholic. Because Correct. the fact that I'm even thinking that I might have a problem and I'm going to meetings or investigating solutions or doing dry January or being sober curious. Yes. That's, I think, hugely indicative of the fact that yes. there's much more going on. And we, as a culture, like, it's like we find ways to figure out to get ourselves out of that because mm -hmm. we still want to drink. And I know that because I get that. Like, I try for decades. I figured out ways that I could keep drinking. I didn't want to stop. I didn't get as lucky as you to stop so early. So thank you for bringing that up. I think it's such an important message for people to hear. It, it, it was a big turning point for me. And I remember it was one of those, cause you know, God help people at meetings when I was first walking in the room, some of the stuff that came out of my mouth, I can't even remember what I said, but I know that I questioned it out loud during, I would speak at meetings and say, I don't know if I need to be here. And I remember it was a real, an old guy, one of those real old timers with a ton of time. And he was very sweet, but he just said, you know, Hillary, you know, just something to think about, you know, people, that don't have a drinking problem, don't go to meetings and, and, and question and talk to people after meetings about whether they have a drinking problem. And <laughs> I've noticed that throughout the years, you know, people, I have a lot of very close friends who are normal drinkers and they don't think that way. They, they doesn't ever occur to them that they have a drinking problem if they don't, yes. you know, it really doesn't. Um, so it is important because I do think that sometimes we just want to look outside of ourselves and say, that's not what happened to me. Mm -hmm. So therefore I'm not that. Um, but you know, that's a dangerous mentality sometimes. Yeah. You know, and so I started listening. I started listening to 
the people. I, that was the biggest change is I started listening to the people who, who did lose their families, who did lose their jobs, who did. And, and I started realizing all of those are things that just hadn't happened to me yet. Because the reality was, is I did drive drunk all the time. I just didn't mm -hmm. get caught. Mm -hmm. The reality is that my relationships were horrible in my life at the time. I, I didn't treat people that well, you know? So mm -hmm. if I had had a family at the time, if I had been married and had kids, I sh uh, promise you it would have been a, a mess. Mm -hmm. So today, even today, you know, I mean, I know, and I fully believe that if I were to drink again today, I would lose everything that I have. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, so I really listening was what changed things and really, really understanding, no, that guy that, you know, my, my friend who's actually still sober too, you know, he was admitted dead on arrival to the hospital from a drug overdose. And I'm like, his story was really, really bad, but him, his story and my story, like we're the same people. We're, we're mm -hmm. both addicts. We're both alcoholics. Mm -hmm. Our stories were just different. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's great. And I'm, I'm really glad we touched on that point. And then just to take it a step further, I want to just go back to something you said that, again, that I, I feel, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, and, and you may share, share in this opinion, and others may as well, or they may not. But when, when you said that, you know, you, you, you started, you know, going to these meetings, getting a feel for, you know, what alcoholism is, meeting other people who are in there who are recovered and they're happy and they're living a great life. And then you hit that other bottom and, and you realized that there was something more you needed to do. Yeah. And I think that's, that's something that I think is missing um, from, from the conversation, the dialogue that we're having in, you know, social media and like, you know, articles written, um, books written, um, podcast conversations, you name it, that, that it's just stopping drinking is not, for me, <laughs> it did not solve the problems. It's, it's, it's not, I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, it, I, and I, I just, I think I just wrote a post about this the other day because I was thinking about it and you know there are a lot of great tools we can use you know when we're trying to stop drinking there's a lot of self-care things there's a lot of books there's a lot of there's so much we can use and those are all great things I support them the problem is if I'm not looking within mm -hmm. and changing me and being open to change um, which is why I did the 12 steps because it is forces, you know, you have to do these things and really take a very honest and very fearless look within. Right. Um, but I don't believe for me, if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't looked at, at, really looked at myself, really looked at my part in things, looked at my patterns, looked at how I'd harm people, made amends to those people. I don't feel if I had done all those things that I would have stayed sober. Mm -hmm. um, if I had stayed sober, I don't think I'd be nearly as happy as I am because I would be sort of the same person, just not drinking, you know? Right. That doesn't, I don't really love who I am just not changing. You know I mean? Like I, right. I don't, the, the person just, just without the alcohol, it's a great thing to not drink, but there's such a, I, I think what I want to say is there's just such a happier, better way to live when you open yourself up to really changing, even though it's scary and hard work. 
Yeah. It's overall. It's all all worth it. Yeah. It's, and it's all worth it. And, and it's just a, it's a temporary kind of going, going over that burning, that, that bridge. That's so, you know, the, uh, another, you know, something that I have to address. It's really hard, but once you get over it and you feel like, oh, I survived it, I'm alive and I'm, the emotions of it didn't kill me. I can do this again. You know, it's, it's, that's so true. And the more of those moments you have, the easier it gets, you know? Um, I, a friend of mine on my 28th anniversary, she called and she's, she's got, she just celebrated her year, but she said, you know, Hillary, like, I can't even imagine what that feels like. She's like, does it just feel like you climbed Mount Everest and there's, where do you go from here? (laughs) And I said, well, you know, it, it does feel great. Like, I feel like I accomplished, I'm proud. I'm happy that I accomplished it. And it's like, yeah, it's like getting to the top of Mount Everest. And then I look up and there's another Mount Everest though, because it doesn't stop. You know, the difference is that I have so many tools now. Now I know how to get up that mountain. And now I'm not terrified of falling backwards because I, I know that if I just keep doing the next right thing, I'm going to get that next, you know, I'm going to get up to that next step there. And, and I just think that it's, um, I'm enjoying more of the process. I'm now, I'm now, I'm not like, whereas, whereas, you know, when I first started, I was just terrified. I really hated change. I didn't want to change. Like I just scared me. And now it's like, okay, what's next? Because I know, that I need to constantly be open to it in order to really be happy and grow. Right. And, you know, I'm sitting here listening. Can I interject something real quick? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here listening to myself talk, but I do want to say to anyone listening to this that might be new right now, you know, and early in sobriety, um, I'm speaking from like, this is like 28 years into it. So I'm speaking from my experience today. This didn't, you know, like, I don't want it to seem overwhelming. Like the change doesn't all have to happen at once. It happens as it happens. You know, there are many days, like you just don't drink, you know, and that's it. All of this other stuff follows behind. And I guess I just want to say that because I'm thinking of myself, like at 20 listening to, to me now. And I probably would have been like, I'm just trying to not drink for the next 30 minutes right. and this lady's talking about a fucking mountain and change it. You know? and I'm like, so I just want to say that yeah. I, I totally remember those times and that it is a process. This is not a, you know, an overnight event either. So. Right. Right. I know. I, I, I appreciate you bringing that up and, and you can think that because you've done so much work and you have so much time, you are, you have the ability to have, to be able to, Think about how other people are experiencing you, even in a podcast, right? Yeah. Like listening to like, oh, what must they, what must they be thinking, you know, when I'm saying all this and, and that's such a gift in sobriety is that we learn, you know, like what, you know, and this, for me, it was in the steps as well. Like I, I learned how to stop thinking about myself all the time and being afraid all the time and then examining how other people have experienced me um, in relationships and really like like a fine tooth comb be like, oh my gosh, this is the way I'm acting and behaving towards this right. person. What must it be like for them right. to deal with this low self-esteem, low self-loathing wife with, who's always full of self-pity 
that must be like I remember that must be exhausting for my husband, you know, right. to, to deal with a wife who's constantly in that kind of. So you know what? The only thing I can change is myself, and so that's right. when we take the action, right? So it's like we can read, like you said before. So true. You can read all these books. We can read books about authors who are like, okay, we're reading it. We're getting we're getting knowledgeable about another person's experience and how they got sober. But like until we do, until we put those books down and then we pretty much kind of start writing our own book yes. about what, what amends we need to make, what like our, what you said, which was great is, um, well, like how other people experience me, like what harms did I do? Like, how can I change to be less fearful? Like what, what do I need to do to, um, to just feel better now that the alcohol is gone. Like I want to laugh again. So how am I going to do yeah. that? And yes, it is such yeah. about action. I think that's like, I totally yeah. agree with you. You know, there's, it is about action. You know, that's the, you know, sobriety isn't for the, it's, it's, I've always said like, it's not for the, the weak, you know I mean? It's very, you have to be very badass to, to, yeah. to live a sober life. I mean, you have to be very fearless. It's not easy. It's very hard but it's so worth it. Mm -hmm. But to me, in my experience, there has to be action involved. There has yeah. to be action involved. And, um, you know, one of the biggest gifts is like you said, the ability to just empathize like with somebody else or, yeah. um, and also just to so much time has passed since my last drink. But if I'm in a meeting and somebody says, they've been sober for 24 hours. I remember exactly what that yeah. feels like, you know, yeah. brings me back, right back. And I don't want to ever forget that. You know, I, I remember that, you know, so it, it is a process. Um, but there, to me, yes, there has to be action yeah. looking within an action and, and to not get too distracted. Cause I think sometimes you can get too distracted by all the the healthy things and use that as a reason to not really look within and deal with yourself you know what i mean because there's so many self-help self-care yes. tools out there and right. they really like I, I i love them i think they're great yeah. but you can see how it could be easy to just sort of get involved and just count on and, and count on all of those and and right. those alone cannot keep me sober you know right it's kind it, of like a, like a band-aid, but it cannot yeah. keep me sober. Right. Like it, it could help for a, a partial, it, some time. It could be like a little temporary band-aid. You lose the weight, you know, you're eating better. Yes. But yeah, that is definitely all, important. Yeah. But like, it's really that inner work, the, the inside job in my last, the, the last podcast that I, I did, it was just me talking, which I don't normally do. I, I, I prefer having guests. Um, but I talked about that as like your outsides matching your insides, exactly. you know, because like, you know, people like I in, and I'm sure you experience this as well. You're, you're a beautiful woman. People thought, Oh, she must be fine. Cause she's gorgeous. And you know, what, whatever other reasons, but then, you know, we're pretty good at like masking what's going on underneath because of the, the guilt and the shame that you spoke of earlier. Right. So. Right. And I think, I think back in my, um, drinking days, I think nobody really thought too much of it because I was so young, you know, mm -hmm. that is the, what people expect college people to do sort of 
but I was starting to get called out by some people too, kind of like, mm. eh, you know, you, you, you're, a, you, you might have a problem. I remember people mm. sort of pointing that out to me, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's such a, an incredible process though. It really yeah. is, but it is, people don't realize, you know, I guess I've noticed it more sober once I started telling people that I was an alcoholic, you know, all these people knew me for 15 years, you know, and they were like, what? They were like, we thought you just had this perfect life, like this perfect family. And, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, but there's, there's a lot more to it, you know, that there, to me, how this all came together, yeah. you know? And you went right to, you answered, I was going to go right into let's fast forward now and share, share with listeners about, how you've lived this sober life you met your husband in program you had four children who were you have one one left at home right the other three yes, in, her, yes, the I got three in college we we sort of like like two typical alcoholics would do we met got married and i was pregnant within eight months <laughs> that's great miraculously we've been married for almost 23 years wow. uh, then we had four kids back to back. So we had four kids within six years. You know, we just were like, let's just do it all at once. Let's get all the chaos at once. And so, yes. Yeah, so now the three of them are in college and our youngest is a junior in high school. Yeah. So now that's wonderful. Congratulations. Yeah, and that's, I mean, to, you know, and stay at home moms, we, we do um, a lot that doesn't get seen. Um, yeah. And it's in, but, but more, you know, for the people who, who love us, they, you know, I know I feel appreciated by the people. Yeah. Um, and, and anyway, so that's so awesome. I just love, I just love talking to you because you have so much time and like for me being eight and a half years and I think about getting another 20 years, you know, it's like, like I, I'm just so excited, you know, because having done the, the, the that action, right. taken that action, like the, the real big chunk of like swallowing a huge chunk of myself and doing those 12 steps, right. I've got that foundation to continue to evolve. And I'm not saying like get better than anyone, right? Like, it's not no. like no. I'm going to climb the hilltop and stand down and look down no. at you peons <laughs> you and be like, you suck, life. you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, it's really just like expanding. And, and like, I see that happening for myself. You certainly, I know, have experienced that. And I know that that's something we talked about earlier, that you feel like that's kind of where you're at again right now, is thinking about your um, the fact that you are a woman in recovery, that you have been sober all this time, your children are getting older, and so now you're thinking, and you're seeing, we talked a lot, uh, listeners, we've been talking so much since we first met, so it's like we couldn't <laughs> wait to get to this place of recording. But um, we talked a lot about how things are different from your perspective and compared to when you first were sober, when we had the dial phones on the walls, you know, and, right. and no cell phones and no social media and no Facebook and no internet right. and everything of that nature. And now you're seeing, now you're experiencing women who are struggling and you're feeling, and I want you to share it because this is your experience, but the whole recovering out loud kind of the piece yeah. of all of this. Yeah, that was a real process for me. Um, you know, I always had 
my recovery people that knew, uh, you know, and then everyone else kind of just knew I didn't drink, you know, they just knew me as Hillary, just this, you know, happy kind of, you know, just four kids. <laughs> um, and, but nobody questioned you like through the 28 years of like, why don't you drink? Because some people did. Mm -hmm. um, the only people I really opened up to were, I didn't try to hide it. You know, if right. someone sat me down and said, oh, I really want to know why don't you drink? I would tell them it rarely mm -hmm. happened. If anything, it was usually a, a comment um, at a party by someone who was drinking and I would just right. sort of brush it off like, you know, yeah. Um, and then if I, if I noticed somebody struggling or someone came to me and like a family member was struggling with something, then I would absolutely, I would w like just open up and tell them right yeah. away. Um, I think I was fearful that there would be judgment because there is still so much it's, I hate it, but there still is so much the stigma associated with addiction and alcoholism. It's getting better. It's getting a lot better, but I don't think we're totally there yet. Yeah, we're like, we're talking a lot about it, right? We're but like- We're talking a lot more about it. We're talking yeah. a lot more about it. But, you know, here it comes the action steps again, yeah. you know? Right. Um, and I think that I started, I'm trying to remember um, exactly what led me to wanting to become more open about it. But it was all a process. And I think I was fearing a little bit of judgment. So I sort of held off on that. I think not as much for me, because I wasn't really concerned about what people thought of, of, of me as much as I thought. I didn't want to make it hard on my kids, you know, mm -hmm. with like their parents and their friends or so. I just didn't want to take a chance on it being hard on them. And, and then I got to, I mean, you're talking like a lot of time passed where nobody knew. And then it was around 27 years sober. So only like year. a year and a half ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was at, um, my daughter, uh, is in the military and we went to her basic training graduation in San Antonio. And it was all, my four kids were all there. My husband, my parent, my, my mom and my sister came and my husband's parents came and it was, I had, was the 27th of September. So it was my actual anniversary too, my 27th anniversary on the 27th of the month, which was this graduation. And I don't know what happened, but I was just absolutely like almost lost it with emotions several times during that trip, because I just kept feeling like, oh my God, like, look at my life. Like, look how beautiful this is. What if I'd made a different choice all those years ago? What if I had not made this choice? And it was at that point where I was like, you know what, I'm just, I feel like I'm sitting on too much time and I feel like I'm not being fully honest with about who I am. And I, I need to be more open about this. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, the, sh the short answer of, of why am I so um, behind recovering out loud now is I'm just so fucking tired of seeing people die of this. I'm so sick of families getting destroyed. I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, and so if there's something that I can do to help reach somebody, then I'm going to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And before I, um, you know, before I got sober, you know, I started running it by a couple people. Like, what do you think if I do this? You know, a couple of my friends that did know that were not in recovery, but did know, 
And I remember I was having coffee with one of them and she just said, you know, absolutely you should do it because you will help so many people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, isn't that really what it's all about? You know, isn't really ultimately that's what it's all about. And so I just became very open about all of it and people were really, really surprised and they were wonderfully supportive and it just opened up a lot of avenues of people coming to me um, with either family members or themselves with stuff that they just didn't know who they could talk to about it. So it's really been a great thing. And then I didn't even realize the whole Instagram social community. I just started that Instagram page like five months ago or so. And I couldn't believe that there's this whole recovery community out there. Yes. It's like an Instagram revolution. That's been crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's, that's really what it was kind of a, bunch of different things and at that time in my life I just was starting to become much more was just discovering a lot more about myself um there were some people in my life like some friendships that really encouraged me to be more fearless and look within so I was just like I'm just ready to do this you know and and that's just sort of where it started but I I think we were talking about the you know the the whole mommy wine culture and 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 it, it i didn't even realize you know it's just so normalized now and the problem is is i noticed it when i first had kids you know and even halloween you know halloween everyone's out and the kids are in the wagon and the parents all have mixed drinks in their hands every mm-hmm. single one of them you know it's mm-hmm. become but everything is like that. You know, mm-hmm. I live in the coastal community, so everyone goes out on their boats on weekends and with their kids and there's alcohol. And and it it's not that I, I am not an anti-alcohol person. I though there are a lot of people that can drink normally, you know, so this isn't what this is about. The problem is though, is I think that our kids now think that, you know, when, when you see, when the kids see the parents doing this all the time to have fun, then they start to think then they need to parent that way and that they need alcohol to have fun. And even though we're not telling them that, we're showing them that. Mm-hmm. And I just think <clears throat> people aren't really aware of it and there's such a dark side to it. You know, I, yeah. I, uh, we were watching a college basketball game the other day and the, what, like a beer company was sponsoring it and and they had their logo all over the court and the ba- baskets and I thought does nobody notice that there's an alcohol company sponsoring a basketball game that the kids playing in the game aren't even legally probably old enough to drink nor the kids watching you know but it's so normal now and those are the messages that constantly get bombarded we can't parent without wine we can't nothing you know there, you can't do anything without alcohol and right. and it it bothers me because you know what they don't show what they don't show in all their commercials with happy beautiful people um they don't show the ugly side and they don't show the side of the families that break up they don't show the 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 teenager who is uh sobbing in a meeting because they just killed their best friend drunk driving you know they don't show the kids who are being neglected because their mom is passed out you know they don't see that and 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 that is very real and it's very and it's it exists you know yeah it, it is it's so ingrained in our culture that yes. that we can't it's almost like 
we can't yeah like you said we there's nothing we like everything that we do has to involve alcohol and yes. we see it in advertisements we see it you know like at the sporting events um on tv and sporting events of our children you know yeah. and everything of how you know halloween right. you know and everything is like everything is associated with drinking like getting through everything i just saw a post that somebody put on a um a facebook site that i that i'm on is somebody was looking for teacher gifts um yeah you yeah, know what I i'm gonna say right this is going <laughs> yeah like the 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 my my kid sorry if my kid drove you to drink you know here's a whatever and they have the wine goblets that have say you know like teachers break you deserve it like it's like you know we we work hard and there's like that whole playing hard mentality and right. unfortunately the playing hard is just playing hard means you get fucked up and pass out and black out right. and and that that's that's the kind of where I'm at in terms of like being um, sin, standing up on my soapbox and recovering yeah. out loud and saying, you know, it is absolutely possible to play hard without drinking. And yes. <laughs> I like I say that like I'm a, you know, scolding parent to, to society, but I guess I'm just so fired up about it because I was so sucked into that culture, like swallowed up by that culture and those messages that kept perpetuating mm -hmm. like my doubts about my drinking saying, Oh no, no, it's okay. Right. Oh, it's okay. Mom of, of special needs kids. And right. you can absolutely, you can morning drink. You can all day long drink. Absolutely. You can wear this shirt that says baby wines. So I drink wine, right. you know? Right. And, but now it's like, now that I've had this taste, this great taste of sobriety and having done a lot of action and, and see that I can live more comfortably in my own skin now and I can have fun without drinking and I can live a calm life without discord or collision with relationships and drama and like issues of my own making, like that is all gonzo you know so to me that seems to be a much more comfortable place to celebrate after we've worked hard doing something you know i think yeah i think i've i have noticed that people you know there have been some people because they my personality is pretty outgoing and i am so very comfortable in my own skin now that i'm like i'm I've always had more of kind of a wild side to me anyway. That didn't really change when I got sober. You know, I'm just not like destroying lives at the moment. But, um, you know, but at the moment, today, I'm not destroying lives. Um, but, uh, you know, people did, I have gotten some comments like, oh my gosh, like, what were you, if you're like this now, like if you're this like, you know, now, like, like, did you ever need alcohol? Like, why did you need, you know, and it, right. why did you need alcohol? Like, and that's the thing. I'm so comfortable in my own skin now. Like you just said, like, that's the key. That's probably one of the best gifts I've been given is I can be myself in mm. all situations. Now I don't need to morph into who I'm with. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't need to pretend I'm something I'm not, you know, um, I can just be me. And that's just be true to myself, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the biggest differences, but it, but it is very, it's different. It's hard. So it's been hard sometimes, you know, when I was young, it was a little bit hard because everyone was so young partying. That's a little different, right. you know, yeah. than when I'm parenting, you know, you have adults doing it. And I think I just got to the point, you know, I just have my sort of things that I do, you know, I don't, um, if I go out with girls for like a girl's dinner or something, you know, I usually, I, 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 there's some things that I do 28 years later that I did the first year and I still do them. And one of them is I always take my own car if I'm going to a place like where I know there's going to be drinking and stuff, just because yeah. it's not that I, I want to drink. It's just that at a certain point, this is just, isn't my life anymore, you know? So yeah. once we hit the past one glass of wine and you just you know you're not going to remember what i said then i need to go you know mm -hmm. and so i just know i know what situations to put myself in now and what not to you know uh, yeah i just have so many people in my life now that are trying you know like you like everyone just like trying to get better spiritually mentally physically and like that's what they do on a daily basis and i'm so intrigued by those people and mm -hmm. i love spending my time with those people yeah. that i just am very i just know where i want to be now you know yeah i know it's so uplifting and it's so it's so inspiring to be and that's why i love doing this podcast because i get to talk to people like you who are just ah you know so passionate about life and living a sober life and and you know we didn't really get a chance to talk at all about like the 28 years of raising four children and the sick, how your children have accomplished so much and they've had sober parents their whole lives and they, ne they didn't grow up in a household that had liquor in the cabinets that they got to see you <sighs> handling situations that were challenging by not picking up a drink. You know, like my, my kids never hear my, my husband and I saying, oh, what a shitty day. I need a drink. Yes. You know, <laughs> the thing with parenting is I don't know how in the hell I would do it drinking. I really don't because I think parenting is, you know, like, I mean, I've, it's probably the one thing I've done with full effort, Sarah. I mean, like besides my sobriety parenting, I've literally tried my very best. Like I've tried my very best. But if you brought all four of my adult kids in here right now, they could probably give you a list of all the things I've done wrong too, you know, because we're human, you know? And I think that's one of the other things that we learn is in sobriety is that when we get sober, and this is one of the things actually talking about long-term sobriety that I, I don't think is talked about enough because people talk about early sobriety and not a lot about real long-term sobriety sometimes, but life still happens, you know? Um, and we do have more tools to deal with it by this point because we have more experiences, but it still happens. And we still have to, you know, sometimes people think, well, you don't, you got it. You got this, you got this all together. And, um, and, we don't, <laughs> or I, I'll speak for me. Yeah. I don't, I'm not there. You know, I, I still have a lot of learning to do and, and I don't really, 
honestly want to get to a point where I don't feel like I don't have learning to do because I feel like that'll be the day that I'm getting closer to a drink, the day that I feel like I've got this all down, you know? Right. right. Um, and so it, it is, but parenting sober, you know, it, it, it is definitely a gift. You know, I'm, I'm so grateful my kids, they have not see, had to see, you know, either one of us um, take a drink ever. Um, so that's just a huge, it's a huge gift. You know, it's a, I don't even know if there's words to describe what a gift no, that, yeah. <laughs> that is, you know? Yeah. They, I, they probably don't know how lucky they are. Well, maybe they do. Maybe. And I think <clears throat> they've started to, um, it's funny you mentioned that because I think they've started to, because we actually have had a couple of them, um, randomly, you know, whether it's their friends, parents or their, someone they know, and they're just like, you know, wow, this is, their lives are not good, you know? And so they're starting to see as they get older, some lives really get destroyed by this, unfortunately. Yeah. And yeah. so I think they, I don't know that they fully understand, but they definitely understand more now that they have yeah. experience with it. Right. And, cool. and another gift that you're giving them, not just in the, not, not drinking, but because you did, took the action to really heal what you needed to heal inside and your husband assuming did the same thing yeah. and you're, you're parenting together, your, your allies, you're doing, you know, your kids are seeing that and they're seeing health. They're saying they're seeing good spiritual and mental health of, of their parents. And then, then you also on top of that, get to, to tell your kids essentially, like if you ever have a problem, and you think that you are doing a little too much of something that's not really good for you and you're getting yourself into trouble, who are they going to, they can go to the, the person, the, the two people who right. raised them they can, and not be judged, right? right. Like you're not right. going to judge them because you know what it's like to be an early alcohol, the, the shame and the guilt and feeling that way. Right. So you, you can, t you can say that to them. And that, that's what I say to my, my older two is that, you know, that, dad and I will never judge you. We just want to help you. And if you're ever in trouble, like we're here to help and we're, and we, we know enough now right. to like, even in just eight years, you know, I feel like we know, we know enough if one of us, one of them were to come to us with a problem. And so I know that they're going to college. I know that they're going to, to, to likely, you know, they're going to drink. I know that, you know, um, but they can also see, I don't know, they, they, they're just more aware of it now, I think. Mm -hmm that also, they're also, my biggest thing was, I, you know, they're aware that they have two alcoholics as parents and genetically there can be a, you know, a, right. a, a, you know, a bit of a genetic thing there. So right. they know that it might not be as easy for them to go through the party in college stage and just pop out of it. Like maybe their peers can't, you know, so right. I hope they know to be just more aware of it. You know, I think they know mm -hmm. to be more aware of it. Um, but I think one of the best things is um, that they see, you know, my daughter said the other day, you know, just talk about change, you know, changing, you know, my husband, you know, when I met him, he was, had a couple DUIs, he was, had a uh, probation officer, he might, was getting ready, you know, he didn't know if he was going to jail for his last DUI. I mean, it was a mess, like, and, um, so he's done a lot of work on himself. And the other day, my daughter just said the sweetest thing, my 19 year old. And she said, you know, 
she said, you know, I, I, I hate to give dad this kind of compliment, but she said, but um, I'm just literally worried I'm not ever going to meet a guy as good as him, like as good as he oh. is to you. <laughs> oh. And I was like, you know, <laughs> it's just the sweetest thing ever. And like, would he, oh. like, this is an alcohol, like, I know what he was, I didn't know him when he was using, drinking, but like, how great is sobriety? Because like, that wouldn't, that comment wouldn't have happened. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, and because mm -hmm. he's worked his ass off to just stay sober, but not just not drink, to be a better right. person, you know, and to be a great father and a great husband. And so it's, it was just really, really sweet when she said it, because she was being sincere. She's like, I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen. Oh. Oh. Well, at least she knows what to look for and what yes. not to look for, you know, like what yes. to avoid. And Because <laughs> yes. yes. some of us grew up and we're like, not really sure where to go to, you know. No, of, no. Yeah. And that, so. that's wonderful. Oh, my gosh, you're amazing. And, so. and oh, I want to. I, I want to ask you what, um, you know, because we're talking a lot about like long-term sobriety, about action. There's a lot of people out there that are struggling right now to, to think of like action for them might be like right. a huge elephant that, you know, where to start to take a bite. Mm -hmm. um, I know, like, I always like to say that it's never too late to quit no. and to stop drinking. Um any mom, any parent out there that's like, oh no, my kids are this age, that age is too late. Right. I'm done. I might as well keep drinking. Uh-uh. It's never too late. Right. Um, what would you say to the people who like, you know, to the parents out there um, or any young, young women who are struggling? Cause I know, <laughs> I know there's a lot of women who are not necessarily alcoholics, but drug addicts. Um, a lot, a lot of bad stuff is going on right now. Yeah. Um, what would you say to, to someone who came to who, a young, a young girl in a situation where she was really, really struggling? I, th I think I would, um, I would say that first of all, you're not alone. You're not alone and you are loved, you know, you are not alone and you are loved. Um, those were things I needed to hear and that there is absolutely nothing you've done in your past or today, even, you know, that doesn't mean you deserve to live a beautiful, happy, sober life. Nothing, you know, there's no amount of shame or guilt over anything that should hold you back from saying today, I want to change things, you know? So that would be one thing. And then on the simple side of it, you know, we do, we talk, we talked a lot about change and growth and action. And I think that can seem overwhelming. I know for me at first it was overwhelming. In fact, I really, I kind of would zone out with people with long-term sobriety because I'm just like, I'm just not there. And I don't get what they're talking about. And this is, they're so freaking peaceful. <laughs> like what the hell, you know? Um, but when it boils down to it, the thing that I always tell someone new is just, you know, when you decide to make that change, find somebody who has what you want, you know, really look at them. Are they sober and are they happy and are they peaceful? Do they have the, do they have what you want, you know? And if they do, humble yourself, you know, get out of your own way and ask them for help. 
and ask them how they did it. And then when they tell you how they did it, do what they tell you to do. And it really can be that simple to start with, you know, just, just find someone who has what you want, ask them what they did and do it. And, and that's where it all starts, you know, but I would, I would say that it, you know, don't get overwhelmed. You know, it's a, it's a one day at a time thing. And you just, you don't need to worry for the young people. You don't need to say you're not going to drink for the rest of your life. You know, you don't need to say that. Just, just, you don't need to drink today. Just today, don't drink. And that's it. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will Mm -hmm. unfold. It's just, you know, I always text this one young woman I work with just like, you know, it's one step at a time. It's one breath at a time. It's one minute at a time. Sometimes you need to take this and don't worry about tomorrow, you know, just, just worry about today. But I would, I would also say that, um, you know, in life, we can't really make promises, you know, sometimes because, you know, we can't be sure that we can fulfill those promises, but I can, I can tell you one thing. I can promise that life gets better when you stop drinking and there's a better way of life and a happier way of life. I can, you know, I've, I've said it to many young people I've run into meetings that are not happy about being there. And I, I, I can promise you it gets better. Um, I have never in almost three decades run into someone whose life, who regrets getting sober. Mm-hmm. Not, not one time. Mm-hmm. Not one single person have I has ever said, gosh, I, it was better. It was better when I was drinking. You know, it doesn't mean it's, gonna, it's easy. It's very hard. There's very hard times. But the joy and the peace and, um, and especially for these young, young people, um, you are giving yourself a massive gift mm-hmm. getting sober at this age, a gift that you can't even see right now because you're so young. But you will look back and say, oh my gosh, you know, today, I mean, I can honestly say today, I'm, I'm actually grateful for my alcoholism because I don't know that I would have gotten where I am today without it. I don't know that I would have made all these changes and done all this mm-hmm. if I hadn't been sort of forced to. Mm-hmm. So that, I think that's what I would, I would say is just, and you know, that there's, the, there's that saying, you know, don't quit before the miracle happens. And, mm-hmm. and that's a big one. You know, you got to, sometimes you just got to hang in there and believe that it will get better because it does it 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 doesn't get magical you know like you have life but you learn to sort of get through things and you Mm -hmm. learn to be grateful and and all those things that come along with with sobriety throughout time but you know definitely don't quit before the miracle happens i love it that's so wonderful hillary and Everything you said is so helpful and I know will help people who are listening today. And just a, a quick add, and I wanted to say this earlier, is that, that you know, when we've referenced a, a number of times how life still like continues, like we yes. get sober, but life goes on. So those problems in life or, you know, whatever in life that's difficult, those things are still there, but our perception of them and how we handle them and how we react to them are so different the more sober time we get in my experience i have found like right before when we when we before we started recording i told you something that happened Mm -hmm. and 10 minutes before we started recording and i know that nine years ago i would be flipping out over it yes but 
today I have a whole new design for living and thinking and breathing and feeling and, and being just this spiritual, this, this soul having a human experience is that I have to have faith that, you know, things will work out the way they're supposed to work out. You know, something it always that, works out. Yeah. It always does work out better. Yeah. In my experience, it always works out better than I, if I, if I had written it, you know, if I had yeah. written what I wanted, it's always better than that. Yeah. You know, and you do, you start to look at things from a very different perspective. Um, you start to look at everybody as human. So there's so much less anger involved because you, mm -hmm. you, you don't know what someone else is going through. So you're much right. less likely to judge them or get angry with them. You know, you, it's just a whole other mentality and way of looking at things yeah. and knowing, but, but like you said, it's like faith in knowing that faith and knowing that you're going to be okay, no matter what happens. That's where that true peace comes in, you know, right. and you can, so, so no matter what turmoil is going on, there is some deep peace within you knowing it is going to be okay. Right. And that is like the, such a gift of sobriety, Huge. such a gift of recovery and, um, no drink can solve any problem like the way faith, faith and fearlessness about circumstances of your life in the world um how they come up like a drink won't solve the issue that i told you about 10 minutes for no. press record no drinking won't solve it will make it worse it so, doesn't solve anything yeah. it really doesn't solve anything no it no. it only it, it, there, it yeah it only makes the issue worse but there is such a power and a freedom mm -hmm. in dealing with things fearlessly and head on, you know, mm -hmm. and feeling things. That mm -hmm. was something that I didn't get till later on in sobriety is just really feeling everything, even the negative stuff, the bad mm -hmm. stuff. And now it's like, I realized like when I really fully allow myself to feel that, then I feel even more of the good stuff. You know, there's yeah. just, it's a whole shift in perspective that happens and way of thinking, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but that, but there is nothing that a drink makes better. I can't think of anything, you know? No, I agree. <laughs> and because we both are alcoholics and found a program that works for us and got into recovery, we would have never met. So I am just so grateful. <laughs> I, exactly, exactly. I, I love it. I, I love I gotta tell you, I absolutely love you. I love what you do. I think you are helping so many people by what you're doing. Um, it's amazing. And I am just so grateful that we connected. And I'm so grateful that you you know, asked me to do this podcast because I just, I any chance that I can get to, to for someone to hear something, you know, that's really the only goal, someone to hear something that might help you know, that's just so awesome to me. Oh, and that makes me so happy because I know how passionate you feel about living into this recovering out loud because you know it can save lives. And yeah. and for you to be on my podcast and speak your and tell your incredible story and what your life is like with long-term sobriety, um, it just is so, it gives, it gives me so much hope. It makes me excited to continue on my journey of, yeah. of sobriety. Um, so thank you for that. And, and just, yeah. I'm so glad I love you too. I'm so glad we're friends that we've connected and, and me too. 
there's more miracles on the way. There's, there's more miracles on the way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It just keeps getting better. Yeah. Well, good. Well, enjoy the rest of the day. I'll see you soon. Yes, but... I will. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, thank you. You're amazing. So are you. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you to my guest and all of you for listening. I hope what you heard inspires you to look for and recognize the gifts of sobriety. Sober Gratitudes, a podcast dedicated to delivering messages of hope through true stories of recovery. A sober life is possible if you truly want it. Thank you.